Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. Okay, and her and I are going to tag team tonight, okay? She's going to do great. Yes. So, so that you know the story. So, we, all right, this one time, we were in sixth grade. By we, Dominic and I were both in sixth grade. And we went to Big Bear. I had never seen snow before in my entire life, okay? Never happened. I was the kid who every birthday, every Christmas, I would pray to God, send the snow. Like, that's what I would do. And I lived in Oceanside, though. So one time we got hail. And I ran outside and just put my hands up. And like, it was just getting pelted with hail, right? My parents are like, you're crazy, get in here. And I'm like, it's so magical and painful. <laughs> like, it's so great. It's the closest thing I ever got to snow. And then basically, we had a time where we went up to Big Bear for sixth grade camp, and it started snowing. This first time I ever saw snow, it was falling. It was so magical. I still remember it, okay? And then we all went to sleep, and I woke up in the morning. I looked out my little cabin window, and everything, it was beautiful. It was like a... It was like one of those Kincaid paintings, you know what I mean, with the snow and the beautiful. Yes, all right. And, it, and, and so what I did, I just immediately opened the door and I ran out into the snow and I just jumped in the snow and it was magical and I did uh, an angel, snow angel, and then I picked up snowballs and was just throwing them at random things. So I was so excited that it was the first time I'd ever seen snow. And then this moment hit me and I realized I could not feel my hands or my feet anymore. And, and because I ran out pretty much in socks and I ran out my PJs because I had never touched snow before. And in the movie, you can't realize how cold it is, right? And so I grabbed, uh, I couldn't feel my hands anymore, and my PJs were soaking wet because snow is literally water. And basically, I, run, I remember I ran inside, I'm like, I'm, like, I'm going to lose my hands. Like, joy went to terror in like a second, right? And, and I ran in, and I just put my hands under burning hot water, which apparently you're not supposed to do, but I didn't know that again, right? And then finally, it went from, I'm starting to feel again, to then my hands are on fire, and now it's hurting, and I think I just burnt my hands, right? This is my first encounter with snow. And so from Dominic and other friends, I borrowed socks, and for the rest of the trip, I wore socks on my hands hands as like mittens because I didn't have anything. And I, I wore all my clothes at the same time. And every day you just rotate out, you know, and get the smellier one on the inside, right? Because I didn't have, I was not prepared for the winter season, okay? I, I was not ready, right? Basically, the, every other kid, they were laughing. They were throwing snowballs. They were great. They had all these positive memories. And on the same trip, I have the memory of like frostbite pretty much and, and, and just pain, right? It was still a great time. I recognized the beauty, but my, the beauty was so distracted because I was so focused on all, because I was so unprepared and I couldn't enjoy the winter. I was kind of suffering through it, right? We're talking tonight, to introduce the topic, we're talking about stewarding winter well. Stewarding the winter season doesn't necessarily mean we're going into winter now, how to live Christmas to the fullest. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the winter season in our hearts, in our lives, that wilderness season. Come on, have any ever had that in your faith? Like a winter season. If not, don't worry. It'll happen to you too. It's okay. You're not... 
it's okay. You're, you're, you're not missing out. It's coming. No, no. But it's something we all go through in our life. And if you are not prepared for the winter season, you'll miss out on the beauty God's trying to teach you in that season. Because you're so focused on protecting yourself and covering up and trying to get survival mode versus enjoying the season that God's taking you in, this beautiful winter season. So tonight, I'm going to invite up Diana Singus is coming on up. It's okay to stand. It's okay. All right. Standing ovation even before it begins. Diana Singus. She's going to take it away. This was a topic specifically on her heart. She was the one who came up with this idea, up with this topic, and I said, I love it. Let's go for it. That's something we all need to learn and we all need to hear. And she's an amazing woman of God who's walked through hard stuff in life and has come out stronger and more in love with Jesus and shining greater than ever before. So it's an honor to learn from her tonight. And so she's going to take it away for a little bit, okay? Stretch out a hand to Diana. Lord, I thank you for this amazing woman of God. I thank you for the, the gift that's in the house tonight. I thank you, Lord, for what you're going to teach us through her. I ask that you speak to her and through her right into our hearts and that you would speak to us about how we steward this winter season well, God. We love you and would this bring us even closer to you in your name. Amen. Okay, that was quite the introduction. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so, um, yeah, tonight I'm talking about stewarding the winter season well. This is the season that I'm in right now, so if I cry, that's why we have that box of tissues up there. It's been a very vulnerable season for me. Um, So if there's two truths that I want you guys to walk away with tonight, the first thing is that God is after your wholeness and healing in the winter. And by wholeness, I mean body, soul, and spirit. The second truth is that the way that you steward winter will determine how future seasons will look like. And Pastor Taylor kind of touched on that a little bit. So what is the winter season? So winter is the season of waiting well. It's kind of the season where you're not really seeing the fruit yet of your life and you're kind of just plowing and plowing and plowing. Um, it's a time where you have to get really intimate with God, and it's a choice that you have to make on a daily basis. I kind of picture, like for me, with winter, like I picture like a cozy jacket, and you're just like nuzzling in God's arms, and I don't know, it's kind of like cuddle season with the Lord, and yes, I just said that. Um, (laughs) Winter is a time where journaling is super important, where it's good to ask God the hard questions and to write down what he says in response, to journal prophetic words that he's spoken over your life. Winter is a season where you let your roots go deep. And by that, I mean that you have a deep confidence in God and you kind of establish a firm foundation in your faith and um, the Lord grows your character and he really teaches you how to persevere. And man, am I learning that. Winter is a time where you learn to rest. How many of you would say that you're good at resting? I see like, I see like scattered hands. (laughs) Well, if any of you are in winter right now, God may be calling you to rest. We're so used to just going, 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 going all the time. I'm a teacher, so I don't always know how to relax. And so I have to like... (laughs) I have to tell myself, okay, Diana, like from this time to this time, it's Jesus time. Then from this time to this time, it's work. And then from this time to this time, you can hang out with a friend. So I have to really, yeah, 
just discipline myself. Winter is a season of being present with God and addressing pain. Yay. Talking to God about the pain in your heart is really important, and allowing him to speak into that pain is even more important because he wants to speak into the pain. Winter is a time where you hear God in a way that you've never heard him before. It's almost like this clarity. And I know for me, it's like, it's like I'm hearing God in, a, in the clearest way that I've ever heard before. And not just for myself, but for other people. And it's really powerful as a worship leader to like hear what God is saying. And um, yeah, it's, it's a huge blessing. Um, winter is a season where you get to know the comforter. The Bible talks about how the Holy Spirit is our comforter, our counselor, the one who guides us into all truth. And if you don't find your comfort in the comforter, when you're in winter, it will hurt you. <laughs> And I just think sometimes we can find our comfort in food or breakup songs or relationships or movies, social media, alcohol. There's so many different places that we can find our comfort. And it's super important to run to the comforter. So I'm going to talk to you guys about my journey in my winter season. So, a lot of you know that I graduated from Cal State San Marcos. I'm forever cougar. (laughs) Um, So, I was part of an integrated credential program, so you work on your bachelor's and credential at the same time. And my last semester of my program, I was in full-time student teaching, and honestly, I cried just about every day. Like, just being real, because I was out of my comfort zone every single day. Some days I would show up to the school, and they're like, Diana, we want you to sub in this fifth grade classroom. And I'm like, but I love kindergarten. (laughs) Like, I want to stay with my kindergartners, God. (laughs) But they're so low on subs that I just had to, I really learned to be flexible. Um, I would get observed when I was in student teaching, so I'd have a supervisor come, and she would critique lessons that I taught, so that was good. Um, And then I also had to record a couple lessons as well. And watching yourself, like, being videotaped is super terrifying. (laughs) Yay! Um, But during that season, guys, I really struggled with a lot of anxiety, And um, I really felt like I didn't have a voice. And I mean, you guys see me like lead worship all the time. But honestly, in that season, I felt like I had no voice whatsoever because I wasn't allowed to ring up Jesus in the public classroom. I wasn't allowed to pray with kids. And it was really hard. And it affected my relationship with the Lord, my relationship with friends, And even the way that I led worship, I didn't feel like I was giving my all because I was believing the lie that I had no voice. So last year, I was subbing because the Lord told me to. So I'm just going to be obedient. And so I'm subbing and I'm finishing my credential stuff. And I remember hearing just as clear as day, I was subbing in a first grade classroom in San Marcos. And I heard God tell me, Diana, this isn't going to be easy, but I'm going to give you the grace to do it. And he was referring to teaching. And I think sometimes God speaks to us at work, but are we listening? You know, he's always wanting to communicate to us, and 
if our hearts are open, he's willing to speak. So um, a few months later go by. It's my 24th birthday. And I had this huge party at my house. And a lot of you were there. And I had so much social anxiety from that party. Can I just tell you guys? I don't know why. I went, like, I started off the fall, like, yeah, full of faith. God's going to give me the grace to do it. And then my birthday comes, and I fell into this weird funk. Christy knows. I would talk to her about it all the time. I used to live with her. I'm like, I just feel off. I don't have a voice again. I was believing all the I'm not enough lies. Not pretty enough, not smart enough, not confident enough, can't teach. I think I heard you wrong, God, about this teaching thing. Yeah, and then June comes around, and I find out that my mom passes away unexpectedly. And when I found out, it was like a punch in the stomach. And I felt like my world had crumbled. And it felt like God had abandoned me. And I just felt so alone. I remember being home for a couple weeks and a lot of people were reaching out and I was responding, but I felt super numb that whole time. And I remember my first day back at church, I was over there in that corner. Christy came with me. I was like, I'm so scared to go to church. She's like, I'll be with you like a good friend. So we're like walking up to the church and I just remember being in that corner and just feeling so alone, but angry. I'm like, I don't want to worship you right now. God, I am angry with you. <laughs> Has anyone ever been angry with God before? Yeah, it's normal. He still loves us. <laughs> so I'm sitting there in that corner, and I remember thinking during worship, like, okay, I'll raise my hands, whatever. It's like the right thing to do. <laughs> but I felt nothing, no presence. Like, my heart was calloused. It was like, no. No. <laughs> And I remember thinking, like, I just want someone to hold me right now. And it was at the very end of worship, and Corrine, a lot of you guys know her, she comes over to me, and she hugs me, and I just broke. And it was, like, ugly tears, like, the snot, the waterworks, like, everything. <laughs> and she's like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And then I had all these people coming around me, praying for me, crying with me, and I'm like, what the heck is happening right now? <laughs> Yeah, it was tough. It still is tough, guys. Like, even talking about it is not easy. I'm actually really surprised I'm not crying right now. Um, Psalm 63, verse 1 says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. David wrote that, and kind of sounds like he was in a winter season. For me, guys, in this season, I've really had to get to know the comforter. And every day, it's that one word. It's that one verse. It's that one song that he gives me, and it's like breath to my lungs. So some of you may not be grieving a loved one like me, but maybe you're dealing with rejection from a friend or grief of a lost dream or maybe challenges with school. I totally get that. <laughs> But you're not alone. You are not alone, and you are stronger than the struggle. Okay, so now I'm going to get into some core values. So this would be a good place to take notes if you're not taking notes. Okay, number one, God will be faithful to you. 
Just say that over yourself. God will be faithful to me. The hope of the gospel is that whatever we go through, we can hold on to the truth that our dad won't let us down or leave us. Number two, God is the defender of your heart. Psalm 91 says, he's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy, and he will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield keeping you from harm. He's like, he's the best dad. He gives the best hugs. Point number three, God is working everything out. Hallelujah. He's working everything out. Romans 8, super popular passage. This is in the message. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, say the waiting. God's spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition, and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail, say every detail, in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. And you know, part of that good that I've been learning is that you get to look more like him. You really do. Like the character that you experience in winter, the fight, the perseverance, it's so worth it. It sucks, but it's worth it. (laughs) Point number four, seasonal change will come. The enemy wants to lie to you that you're stuck in winter and will never reap your harvest. He loves to whisper lies and get your hope down. This is why it's important to remember your why in the dead of winter. Say, I'm going to remember my why. That's right, you are. We have to remember God's character and put truth in front of our face. And for me, when I was in the hustle of student teaching and subbing and all those different things, I had to keep reminding myself of that word that God gave me in that first grade classroom. You know, I'm going to give you the grace to do this, but it's going to be hard. You have to go back to those words. And this is why journaling is super important, guys. We have to remember what, what God has spoken over our lives. Okay, point number five. Grow in confidence in hearing his voice and know the word. Know the word. Knowing the word is vital in winter because when you feel stuck, the best way to get unstuck is to get the word in front of your face. Yes. And for me, this looks like having scriptures on my mirror and on my walls, and I have flashcards in my car because I'm constantly trying to get truth in front of my face. Because God will give you instructions in winter that you're going to need for spring. So are you asking him, though? Are you asking him, God, what are my instructions in winter? So I have a cool story with a sub-experience. So... 
Last year, I was subbing in a music class, and you guys know I love music. And so I was stoked, because it was like two days in the same classroom, and there was a piano, and I don't really know much about piano. I have a couple friends that I grew up with that kind of taught me like the basics. And so I got to the school early, and I started playing just like this little tune. And I kept saying this same line over and over again, I know my king is for me. He'll never let me down. And even when trials come, I'm safe in his arms. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to be a great song one day. (laughs) So I recorded it, praise God for technology. And then several months later, it was like May of this year, um, I went on my roommate's piano because Danielle plays the piano and I'm so thankful that she does because we have it at our, or we used to have it at our house. And I started singing that same song from the music class. And then it turned into like this really cool spontaneous moment of me like pouring out my heart to God and declaring truth over myself. And it was so empowering. And I literally titled the voice memo, Heart Connection on Piano. <laughs> God wants to have heart connection with you in every season, but especially winter. And this song has been like the song that my soul has needed to sing in this season. And some of my best songs have come out of winter. Like I have so many songs that I'm working on right now too. And I'm like stoked. It's going to be so good. So... The truth is, when you do the thing that God calls you to in the dead of winter, you're doing damage to the enemy. And that brings me a lot of satisfaction. (laughs) Like, so much satisfaction. Like, when my mom passed away, the Lord said, I want you to take two months off. So I took a couple months off. And then I started serving again. And I joined Crux Leadership again. And I started playing guitar. And I'm like, yeah, like... I'm hurting, but like I'm doing damage to the enemy right now. And I did it because he told me to. So it's really important to do what he tells you to. So I want to just get into, um, actually, I want to share a couple scriptures before I get into the practicals. So there's a scripture in James that I absolutely love. And... It's James 1, and it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And then later on in verse 12, it says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. One more verse. Hebrews 10 says, Do not throw away your confidence. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. So now I want to just get into a couple practicals. So the first one is to write out scripture on your mirror, your room, your car, or anywhere you're going to see it. So for me, I like to have it in all places. (laughs) But whatever works best for you, just wherever you're going to see it every day. Second practical, I want you to write a letter to God. And I want you to tell him how you're really doing. Because if anyone understands our pain, it's Jesus. 
I mean, he endured the greatest price of pain when he died on the cross. And the third one, I want you to write out declarations on flashcards. It's like so powerful. There's moments where I'm like in my car, like having like a weak moment and the Lord's like, pull out that flashcard. I'm like, but I don't want to say it. He's like, just say it. So I say it and it just, it, ge- it gives you so much life and it kind of like brings your hope up again, you know? So like I said at the beginning, the two truths that I want you guys to walk away with is that God is after your wholeness and healing in winter and that the way that you steward winter will determine how future seasons will look like. And now I'm going to invite up one of the best guys I know. He's one of my best friends, Pastor Taylor. Way to go. That was so good. So, so good. I am so proud of Diana. Um, she, man, she has come through so much and she's just shined through it, seriously. And I, I always tell my leaders too, like, don't be afraid to be vulnerable vulnerable up here because um, that's what re- real raw life is, right? So thank you, Diana, for taking that state, being vulnerable, sharing what's happened with your family. And I know it's really impacting um, all of us, impacted me. Who took some good notes? I took some good notes. Absolutely. Are you guys doing all right? Can I jump in to kind of finish off some a little bit? Yeah? Awesome. Hey, I I wanted to be clear with something, that the devil does not take us into our winter season. God does. Right? The wilderness, every time you see the Israelites or the people of God go into the wilderness, they were led by the Spirit. They were led by God. And they, they they were led out of Egypt, out of slavery, we're free. What are we going to do with our slavery? To the wilderness, <laughs> right? Right into the wilderness. And the Israelites, they were meant to learn something in the wilderness. It was meant to be quick, but by the time they were going to go into the promises of God, they weren't ready. They, they, they listened to fear. They didn't listen to God's voice. They listened to another voice, and they didn't get what they were meant to get in the wilderness, and they weren't ready for the promises of God. The wilderness, the winter season, is meant to be the place where God puts the character inside of you to be able to conquer the promises he's placed in front of you. Does that make sense? And, and so God basically has to say to them, sorry guys, you didn't get it. Take another lap in the wilderness. <laughs> Go through it again, right? And, and because he says, you will stay in this season until you learn what I'm trying to give you, until you learn what I have for you, until you mature to the place where you can actually handle the promises. And so often, we, we refuse, we run from the winter season rather embracing God in it. And then what happens is we just keep doing laps through the wilderness, right? Have you ever met that person who it's like they're in an eternal winter? It's like the ice queen from Narnia just lives in their life all the time, right? You know, it's just like every time you talk to them, there's just like, oh, bro, my life, the trials, the, the winter. I'm just in another win- wilderness season. And you're like, dude, I've never once talked to you when you weren't in a wilderness season, right? The only time you don't come out of the, it's a season. It's not a lifetime, The only time you don't come out of the wilderness season is when you've been stubborn and you're not learning what God's trying to teach you. Oh, right? Or maybe you're actually not in a wilderness season, right? You're just complaining a lot because life's hard work, right? Maybe you're in spring or harvest, but it's a lot of work. And you think work means wilderness and it doesn't. Wilderness is actually a time of depending on God to feed you. 
All the other seasons, you're working to get fed. Wilderness seasons, God shows up with manna. Wilderness season, God said crows to the Elijah. Wilderness season, God brought water from a rock. Wilderness season, God sustains you, provides for you, right? It's actually the season when God's most showing up and speaking so tenderly to you. And so I don't know which one it is. Either you complain a lot, or maybe you haven't learned what you're meant to learn yet, (laughs) right? So God's like, oh, take another lap. (laughs) right? I refuse to give you your promise until you've got the character that you were meant to learn in the season. The wilderness season was the place when God always wanted to speak tenderly to his people. As Diana was saying, it's a season of, like, I love you say, it's a cuddle season with God. (laughs) It's, it's, yes, it's a time of testing, that's true, but it's a time of tenderness where you hear his voice so closely. It's like all the leaves have fallen off the trees and you can finally see way further than you ever saw before. There's a clarity that comes in that season. If you will, like my story, not pay attention to the cold, but what God's teaching, what he's doing, what he's saying, speaking so softly. Hosea 2.14, it says, Therefore, behold, I will allure her. He's talking about Israel. And I'll bring her into the wilderness and I'll speak tenderly to her. Right? He's just like, you're you're God, speak to my heart, speak tenderly to me. Would all the distractions fade away? We've prayed these prayers, and he's like, I know just the vacation spot, baby. The wilderness! Like, (laughs) that's where I'm going to speak tenderly to you. Let's go, right? And you're like, oh, no, God, this is not what I meant. And he's like, but this is the season where every distraction gets stripped away, and I can speak to your heart. This is the season when all the leaves fall off, all the fruit goes dormant, and you have nothing except for me to speak to you. Every major guy in the Bible, every major man and woman and hero of faith, they went through these wilderness seasons. Moses, where did he find the bush that spoke to him? In the wilderness. He probably would have been too busy in Egypt to turn aside and see the bush talking. But because he's in the wilderness, it could catch his eye. When God spoke tenderly. Where did Israel, where did God feed them and take them out of slavery and then daily feed them with manna, the wilderness? In Exodus 16, 10, it says, and and soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked towards the, well, that says desert. Another version says wilderness, okay? And it says, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The glory of God is waiting for you in the wilderness, in, the, in that waiting season, he's waiting to meet you. The mountain of God, Mount Sinai, where he meets his people, right in the middle of the wilderness. He's constantly trying to draw his people to a season where every distraction fades away and you only hear his voice. And it's what you hear in the wilderness, like Diana said, that'll set you up for all the other seasons. Because when in the wilderness, when everything, in the winter, when everything gets stripped away, you're left with just what you got is what you got, <laughs> right? And you're living off the harvest from the previous seasons, and you soon realize it wasn't enough, and I need God, right? Uh, I'm just going to go through three quick lessons that you can learn from being in the wilderness season, okay? Three lessons, and then we're going to go into our small group time. But first off, um, wilderness in the original language is this word midbar, say midbar, Midbar, and it means, it has a couple meanings, but it means the wilderness, uninhabited land. The next definition is this, a mouth. <laughs> but specifically it says a mouth, the, the organ of speech. 
Not mouth like your physical lips, but the instrument of speech. And it comes from, it comes from the, the root word of that is the word to speak, to declare, to speak to one another, to make a promise. The wilderness was always meant to be the organ God chose to speak his promises to his people in. That's why they go into the wilderness and then they get the plan for Israel. Jesus goes into the wilderness, right? Gets tested and he comes out of his ministry. Uh, Elijah goes into the wilderness. All these people that go into the wilderness and it's that's where God speaks so clearly to them. But do we hear his voice or are we so, woe is me, I'm in the cold right now. What if we could stop focusing on all that and focus on what he's trying to teach us in that season? You would hear the promises of God over your life. Literally, the word wilderness meant the mouth of God to speak. Point one, God uses this season to teach us that it is God who feeds us. God feeds us. He, and this is to feed you emotionally, spiritually, financially, physically. God will take you to the wilderness, to the winter, when all your provision seems to dry up, and all you can do is trust him as your provider so he can convince you, I'm your provider, not your paycheck. I'm your provider, not your boss. I'm your emotional provider, not that guy, not that girl. I'm your spiritual provider, right? Not even your church. I am. And, and he'll take you to a place where all you have is him. Deuteronomy 8.3, it says, and he humbled you and he let you hunger. He, let, uh, he leads us to hunger. God will let you come into a place of hunger so that he can be the one to feed you. And he fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that. The entire reason he did it was to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. God wants to become our main provider, emotionally, financially, spiritually, physically. God fed them daily with manna in the wilderness so that they would be convinced that they cannot live without God as the first and sole provider. This is why, do you get that? It says to get the words that are proceeding from his mouth. He gave you manna to learn the words coming out of his mouth. It's the same word for wilderness. They made the, I believe they made the same word. Because they know in the wilderness is where they hear that, the speech from God. It's only in the wilderness do you, did they get the manna. Isn't it crazy? They step over the river into the promised land, no more manna. Because he was teaching them something in that season they could not learn in the next season. And if we're so eager to get to the promise, sometimes we can miss learning how to receive from God in the previous season. And then we might actually dare to think we got to the promise on our own provision. Do not avoid this wilderness winter season. It's where you will meet the mouth, the words, the promise of God. Every wilderness season in the scripture, we see a supernatural feeding of God to the people. Manna, water from walk, the quail, Elijah, these crows fly in and feed him, right? Jesus is, this is crazy, guys. So Jesus, I'm gonna see if I can explain this okay, all right? Jesus is called what? The what of God. One of them is the word of God. He is also the lamb, that's correct. But the word of God, the word of God became flesh, right? And then he says, so man does not live on bread alone, but from every word that comes from my mouth. 
Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, so he knows exactly what it feels like. But in this verse, he's tempted by the devil, and he quotes the same verse, and he says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Isn't it amazing, in the wilderness, he quotes the exact same verse, but the only difference is he left out the part about manna. He actually left out the part, thank you, someone got it, he left out the part of manna. It was the second half of a verse. He left out the first part, and he just said the punchline at the end. Jesus quotes his verse, but he leaves out that part. Why? I have a, I have a theory as to why. Because, because he's the word. He's the manna. He's the word that proceeds from God. He is now your subsidence. He is now your nutrients. He is now your provider. He is the daily provision that you have to get from to make it through the wilderness. It's him. Uh, when he goes to feed the 5,000 in Matthew 14, it says that they go to a desolate place, a wilderness spot. And once again, a supernatural feeding comes. But this time, it's through Jesus. He's the manna now that provides for them. You guys seeing this? That something shifts now, and it's through Jesus. He is the manna of God. He is your daily provision. It's him. To avoid a wilderness season is to avoid an encounter with Jesus. To avoid this season, to try to get out of this season so quick is to miss what could be one of the greatest miracles of Jesus feeding you in life. Some of my hardest seasons, I get some of my greatest testimonies from of God showing up and providing in a miraculous way because I was completely free-falling, suspended fully in Jesus and either he catches me or I don't make it. Either Jesus multiplies it or it's not gonna work, right? This is a season where he provides for us emotionally, financially, and physically. Point two is that God uses this season to teach us that God is the one who finds us. This speaks about your identity. That, it, that you get found, not by work, not by the guy or girl, not by your career, not by anything else. He is the one who has to find you. Deuteronomy 32, 10, it says, and he found them in a desert land. And in the howling waste of the wilderness, he encircled him. He cared for him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. The apple, the focus of his eyes. All his affection looks upon you in that season. He's just looking upon you. But sometimes we miss it because we're so worried about the snow. <laughs> we miss the beauty of the connection of God in this season. My identity, a lot of times God will strip out everything that I take my identity in except for him. So that he can, so that when we move forward in life, we don't base ourselves in the, our success or performance or job or whatever it is. Our only identity we found in the wilderness when we had nothing, we had him. And now when I have everything one day, I'll always remember it was him who I had first. Point three, God uses this season to teach us that it is God who carries us. This talks about your strength. So we talked about a dried up provision, dried up identity, and your dried up strength. And he steps in to provide. He steps in to give you identity. He steps in to give you strength. Deuteronomy 1, 31. And in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place as a man carries his child. So the Lord carries you in the season because your strength is not enough for you. 
Your legs can't hold you up and support you anymore. So he carries you through. This is the season where God says, I'm going to hold you like a child close to my chest, like a little baby, and just hold you, and I will carry you through this time. This is the season when your, your ear is right next to his heartbeat. In this season, it's so beautiful, guys. It's such a beautiful time for those who will find it and see it. He will actually, he'll be like, I don't know if you, <laughs> I picture this mean kid who like, someone who's on a crutch, crutch and they kick out the crutch and then the person falls over. Like, yeah, I believe you'll go around and you'll kick out the crutches in your life until you have to fully just stand on him. Because we'll put the crutch in whatever this is, and that, and that, and that, and you'll come on back. Okay, all right, kick. There you go. <laughs> right, like I didn't hold you up either, did it? You know, and right, and I believe it's just all right. Take another lap until he finally we realize all of my strength has to be in you. All of my strength, everything I have, has to come from you, God. I only have one practical step tonight. Diana did a great job with all of hers. And all it is, is get alone with God. Get alone with God. You have to make time in the secret place with God. Not in the corporate place during the season. Yes, go to the corporate place. Yes, you can learn. Yes, it's good. Don't, don't isolate from it. But so often in the season, you will feel the drawing to be alone because God's drawing you into the wilderness to speak to him. And yet we're like, I want to be alone, Netflix, right? <laughs> I want to be alone, social media. I want to be alone, entertainment. I want to be alone. Oh, we'll spiral into like our own weird funk. And he's like, no, the reason you're feeling so deeply that you want to be alone is because I'm calling you out so that I can tenderly speak to you. Will you follow me and trust me into that season where you might be a little more alone so you can just hear my voice? Or do you fill it with lesser things? Get alone with God. Matthew 6, 6, it says, but when you pray, go into the room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who's in secret. And your Father who sees you in secret will award you. Do you want to know where God is? He's in the closet. He's in the secret place waiting for you. Just waiting for you to come. You have to get alone with God. I love what Diana was saying, that the degree that you walk and that you steward that season will directly relate to then how you can handle the promise of God in the next season. You know, the choices you make in that winter, in that wilderness, that winter season directly will affect what you're able to conquer when you walk into the promised land. That this season, it's going to purge you of all the junk, <laughs> but it's also going to solidify you of all the God stuff. And there's a special history with God that happens that I don't think any anointing can give you. Yeah, anointing can bring you certain things, but cannot write a history for you. And there's a confidence that happens when you've gone through multiple winter seasons with Jesus. Yeah. I wonder what Adam and Eve's first winter was like. Probably terrifying. <laughs> Everything's dying. The sky's changing color. There's this stuff falling down and it's cold. The world's ending. This is our sin. Here we go. End of the world. Like, survive. They weren't prepared for it. And then all of a sudden, they make it through, and they're like, oh, praise God. He had mercy. And then about a year later, the weather starts getting cold, and they're like, oh, no. Winter's coming. <laughs> it's happening again. Right? Right? Like, so this, 
this idea, but then after a history of God faithfully bringing them through it, they start to realize, oh, this is winter. We're fine. You're going to make it. Let's use this season not to freak out, but actually to get closer as a family and get closer to God. You'd be so scared about the snow that you miss Christmas dinner inside, right? And one of the greatest memories with your family was in the winter season, right? So there's a history that happens that when God takes you through these things, that builds a confidence in your life. I promise you, you'll make it. I promise you, you'll make it. Just press into God. Let him be your strength, your provider, your emotion, all of that. Lord, I pray now as we go, even for just the final few minutes, um, would you help us, God, uh, process this, go through this. And for the, all those who are not in uh, this season specifically, uh, Lord, I ask that you would minister to maybe a past season when they walked through this, or that you would prepare their hearts for a future season when they may walk through this. God, I ask that we would not be people who avoid this season, run from this season, but seek you tenderly in it, that we find your voice in it, we find your heart in it, we find your purpose in it, God, that we realize that the bridge between Egypt and Israel was the wilderness, God, and that we would not try to skip over it, Lord. God, I ask that you would speak to us during small groups. I ask, Lord, that we'd be able to process through this stuff, and Lord, that we would uh, be able to grieve if need to grieve, or be prepared, or whatever we need to go, that you would speak to us during this time. We love you, Lord, and we just give you this small group time together. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit summitsanmarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.